but a beautiful way to embody seeing with new eyes because that's 100% a perspective that we've never talked about before that I've never thought about before but it, it, it is accurate this is the first time that life as we know it has been able to conceptualize its own ending on a collective scale Welcome to All We Can Do, a podcast seeking to uplift human and non-human stories of survival in the Anthropocene. Listen along and help us collaboratively vision where we are going. We'll look at how we can realistically attempt to confront the climate crisis while sustaining ourselves, the land, and each other, and have some fun doing it. We'll ground in the work of Joanna Macy to help us process our challenging reality with gratitude and love. Because remember... All we can do is survive in motion, strengthening communities locally, nationally, and globally to fight like hell and save the world. I'm Adam. I'm Jackie. And this is our first introduction episode to the podcast. (laughs) And this is our podcast. To start off, could you tell us why you wanted to start this podcast with me? Yes. I wanted to start this podcast because I wanted an excuse to hang out with you more often, even though we don't live in the same city. And I... I know I had been leaning out of the reality of the climate crisis coming off of over a decade of youth climate activism where I like actually believed in earnest that we would save the world and prevent catastrophic climate change. I had been and continue to struggle with accepting that we are where we are with the current moment in the climate crisis and that it's unfolding. And our friendship has become a space where I'm processing that in real time and I thought it'd be cool to do that live and with a schedule and with consistency and commitment to be able to actually lean in and like within my body accept that this is where things are on a more as as a practice um that type of acceptance is a practice is why I wanted to do this with you and explore concepts with you I'm excited to hang out with you too um I'm glad that you reached out and envisioned this because I've had a lot of fun chatting with you the past few months on a regular basis. I have found it really grounding to be able to return to our conversations and it just gives things a more intentional feel. I've also enjoyed just getting to reconnect with you. I've known you and worked with you for a few years now and it's been fun to collaborate again on a Google Doc across the distance. Honestly, I would recommend this for friendships. Like, even if you don't create your own podcast, if you have a friend who no longer lives in the same city as you, try scheduling a monthly or weekly Zoom meeting, and it'll be a good chance to reconnect. These are very challenging times. Even in the short time that we've been talking together, there have already been a whole bunch of extreme weather events and not good news in the climate fights. The Willow Project was just approved by Biden. It's getting fought in court now, so we'll see what happens, but... It's a lot. There was just another Texas winter storm, and these things will keep happening. Having someone to collaborate with and connect with and have conversations with to process these things, I've found it really helpful, and I think sharing it will involve more people so that we're all just kind of thinking about what's happening because no one has ever lived through a moment like this, 
and by sharing stories and creating space to process, it'll help us deal with this really challenging time we're living in. I have really appreciated that we are speaking consistently because it has given us an anchor point for our experiences as well. I've appreciated when we send each other voice memos about something that we saw in our day or when there have been more national level tragedies, we're able to sort of connect with each other in a way that holds context for where we're at in our processing and in a way that holds awareness of how this is part of the bigger unfolding climate crisis. And I, I'm comforted by that. And then what like a unique thing for us both to be comforted by, you know, like. It makes me think of the fourth Harry Potter book and no Rowling, like the saying no homo, but for JK Rowling, because she's an insufferable turf now. But no Rowling in the fourth Harry Potter book after Harry Potter gets back from fighting Voldemort and seeing Cedric Diggory die, he's like getting taken care of in the infirmary. And Dumbledore has a quote that's something along the lines of like, if I thought giving him time would help him heal, I would give it to him, but he needs to face this to start the healing process. And given the limited amount of time we have to make drastic changes to our society, we cannot hide away from what's happening we have to face it with arms wide open, with hearts open, and in community to be able to make these drastic changes we have to, to save the fucking planet. That's absolutely right. We have a, to save the fucking planet. We've got a planet to save. And that's another thing I appreciate about you and I and our friendship. You know, we you alluded to it earlier, but we met in crisis. The pandemic had just started happening, and we were trying to run a nature immersion summer camp in which kids are usually together outside in community. And we were really, really driven to figure out how do we digitize nature immersion because we were just so clear with our values that it was unacceptable that the pandemic was going to take a nature exposure opportunity away from kids. And that really illuminated our shared values and the way that we manage that crisis and the way that we manage other crises that have happened since then, I think we have a similar vibe to how we do that as queer people, as artists, as creators, and as people that just are very fueled by hope and optimism. And I know that some of the tools that I just mentioned have been really important. And also there are certain frameworks that we both use that help us kind of get through the day that we've been able to share that have been really important, whether that's community song or like protest and activism song, or whether that's grounding outside or schools of thought, like the incredible work of Joanna Macy. So true. And I'm so grateful we were able to make that incredible nature programming happen, even during the very early months of the COVID pandemic. And I'm just so grateful to have met you and have been able to keep in contact and kind of grow our relationship since then. And I'm super excited to use our friendship as a place to help process what's happening in the world and get more folks plugged into the fights and give people the tools to help stay involved and help maintain hope even when things seem daunting. For people who aren't familiar with the work of Joanna Macy, she is a scholar and activist with decades of experience in the movements for peace, for environmental justice, and she is just an incredible thinker who has developed a lot of frameworks when engaged in movement work to maintain 
hope and to keep fighting even when things can feel insurmountable at first. And I just really am excited to use some of the frameworks that she has used in her book, Act of Hope, with Chris Johnstone to welcome people in if that's new to them. Um, before we get into the work that reconnects, is there anything else you would want to say about this podcast before we get started introducing that? So I wonder if there's room and I wonder if you'd like to speak to it first and then I can also share how you know the work of Joanna Macy. How did that work find you and what about that work was appealing to you in terms of bringing it into the podcast structure? Um, Or bringing it into like our practice of this connection time that we have. So I was first introduced to the work of Joanna Macy when I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 2018 and 2019. I was doing a lot of organizing in a lot of different fronts, and I had a friend who was a nurse and also an environmental advocate, and she introduced me to the work of Joanna Macy, and she gave me the book, Active Hope. She actually cut out the word hope on the cover because she would make collages, so it just said active with like a cutout on it. But I read that book multiple times and have returned to it multiple times since then, and I've really found it to be a powerful guide when doing work confronting the various crises that we face. There are so many things that we are dealing with as a species. War, income inequality, homelessness, food insecurity, ecological crisis, climate crisis. And all of those things can be somewhat overwhelming. And if we're not grounded in hope in gratitude to be able to continue working for those fights even when they seem really challenging it can become daunting and we can give up to conclude i'm really grateful to have been introduced to her work and i'm excited to use the work that reconnects as a framework to engage with current events and the different fights that we're involved with how were you introduced to joanna macy and the work that reconnects Yeah, so I met the work that reconnects. I actually haven't studied it as deeply as you have. And it occurs to me, I'll read one. I'll read the book because that'll be just good. But I encountered the, the work because I have gone through several bouts of burnout over my organizing career. And in the midst of one of them, I ended up at like a life coaching seminar for climate activists that were burnt out. So I was in the room with like 30 or 40 other burnt out similar age social justice activists, mostly climate activists and labor organizers. And there were these um, like group of like four or five climate activists that were like more in depth in the life coaching training. They were certified coaches and they were leading the training, but they were the ones that had built out this this network of like thriving for social change, coaching for social change. And it was called the Thriving Changemakers Summit. And it was so well branded, branded and brilliantly done. And the work that reconnects came up a lot in that space because everybody was so brokenhearted and really wanting to still be active and it it was um talked about as like a buddhist beautiful framework for holding a very broken world in a way that would enable further action and so even though i didn't benefit from from studying the work that reconnects directly i did learn from people that have studied with joanna macy and kind of integrated that framework into how they do life coaching which helped me learn how to manage my brain better and be able to hold the dissonance between the tragedy of the moment and the actions that we need to take. And that's enabled my organizing. This was already like eight years ago or something that this happened. So it worked. And that is how I found the, the practice. 
Is there anything else you would want to get into before we start to introduce the work that reconnects? I think the only thing I was going to invite you to speak to was, what would you like to see this podcast do in the world? Just a sentence of like, what, what do you hope it becomes alive? Like, what does it do once it comes to life? One thing that I love that has happened with this podcast is I recently was driving up to northern Wisconsin with my brother and his girlfriend and just talking to them about how we're starting a podcast. And they were interested and asked, like, what sort of format is it? And I was explaining how we're going to be using the work that reconnects and kind of modeled it for them because they were curious what it would look like. So again, back to extreme weather, we were driving up on I-35 and there was a few sections where there had been both a tornado last year that had destroyed a bunch of trees and there had been extreme snow events that had really wet, wet, heavy snow that was breaking a lot of branches and like pulling entire trees down. And so I just used the work that reconnects to kind of process that thing that I was seeing. And both of them afterwards were like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I would listen to that. So what I would love to see is to have these difficult conversations about what's happening both with the climate and politically and economically in a way that helps ground people and helps them process things because things can get overwhelming. But if you look to people who have been in these fights for decades and the tools that they have created or learned of to help them stay grounded, I think that can really empower your activism and empower your ability to make change in your community. I'm also hopeful that we can just connect with other people across the country, across the world, and hear their stories and just uplift other fights that are going on and look at the ways that these fights are connected and just strengthen the ties that we have of like-minded people around the country and around the world. What would you hope to see this podcast make happen? I think it is so cool if people could adapt the world, the work that reconnects is just part of how they look at tragedy would be amazing. That's like a pie in the sky outcome. I also, again, I shared about how this has really been like focused on practice, but also, you know, you and I, we have unique perspectives. We are both queer. We are both neurodivergent. We both live with a lot of anxiety. We've both like had our toes in like the activism water for a minute. So my hope is that our perspective helps other people feel more seen in the way that they feel about the situation or the way they're processing the situation or even the way that they talk to their friends about the situation. And hopefully there's there's like medicine in that for folks. I think people want to talk about it. They just might not know how. And then also, unfortunately, a big story being told is that it's too late to do anything. So popular media has really pushed that narrative in some ways. I think of songs like Till the World Ends by Britney Spears with the lyrics, keep on dancing till the world ends. And it has this vibe of like nothing really matters. Let's just keep dancing and partying. And there's joy in dancing. So like I want us to keep dancing even as the world ends. But it's not a given that the world will end. Um, so I want us to dance even if the world ends and not until the world ends because it's not too late. Um, we can still take action and save a lot. We can transform so much and like, yeah, we are probably going to lose stuff, but we won't lose it all. So we can be in community joyfully 
as an uplifting thing to keep taking action and find ways to bring joy into action. So this podcast is very aware that these are the years where either our species solves this crisis or we get to the point where we might not be able to solve it anymore. And I know what future I'm going to fight for. I want to fight for the solutions because they exist and we can enact them. It's just about disrupting the power systems that have prevented us from doing that up until this point. A hundred percent. I agree completely. I know what future I'm fighting for. And so many people are fighting for a better future. And the collective efforts of us all, they've got to matter for something. And holding that belief in a container of gratitude and hope is really, really supportive to me as I do this work. And I know that's true for you too. And for many other people every single day that are figuring out what's the fight look like and what survival look like right now in this moment. And I love what you just said about like, okay, these are the years that are going to make or break the survival of our species. Like all life, this, these are the years that are going to make or break the survival of the majority of life on earth as we know it. No big deal. And we decided to make a podcast in these times <laughs> to give us an excuse to hang out and relate about the reality of the aforementioned. So with that in mind... The work that reconnects. So the work that reconnects is a tool that we're going to be using to help us process what we're living through and just thinking about the various tragedies of the world today. It's from Joanna Macy and it has four components. In the book, Act of Hope, there's an image of a dandelion and the different parts of the plant are labeled with the four steps and the roots are labeled coming from gratitude, which is the first step. This is connected to both brain science and spiritual practices of giving thanks for the beautiful world we live in that sustains us. Giving thanks for water, for food, shelter, community, family, etc. For some people, there may be like a disruption when they think about organized spiritual practices such as praying at a meal. Many people might have had negative experiences with organized religion being used to discriminate, and they may feel turned off from public displays of prayer like that especially if it's from a religion that they have experienced direct trauma from. However, the ritual of gratitude is really important and is supported by scientific research. It's important to be grateful and to make a practice of gratitude because it can help us be happier and stronger. Whenever we have a topic on this podcast and we want to do the first step coming from gratitude, we'll just share something that we're grateful for related to whatever we're talking about. And so we're going to do a model one with this first episode just about the podcast. So coming from gratitude, I have so much gratitude for having met you and worked with you. We met during the pandemic over Zoom, planning a virtual summer camp. And it was a nature immersion summer camp where we were usually camping out in the woods. And we were having to change all of that to create programming to help connect kids to nature through a computer screen. Um, and that was your first year at the camp. So you had never even done in person. You just came and helped turn this vision into an incredible reality where you had like your friend from the bird center in South Padre Island doing zoom live birding with kids. And we were sending plants and food and caterpillars to kids at their houses. so They could be involved with connecting with nature at home and it was still safe. Um, it was a safe way to gather virtually with a little bit of in-person picking up and dropping off of materials. But I was just really 
enjoyed the process of working with you and planning with you over Zoom. And so I'm really grateful to be able to work with you on something new. 100%. 100%. I'm really grateful that we were born on the earth when we were. Because even from when we were kids to now, we've lost so many species. But you and I both are of an age where we have memories of like running around outside and there being so many bugs. Just like so many bugs. Or the way that I used to be able to find like little pockets of wildflowers everywhere. And now there's maybe less of them. But I am so thankful that we have those like. Like I even have memories of being little and there was like beautiful, colorful fish swimming in the ocean. Like at the shoreline. Where now when I go to that, that same beach, like there's not as, as many fish so close to the shore. So that is my gratitude. The second step in the diagram is the stem and the leaves, and that step is called honoring our pain for the world. In this step, you speak to the pain of whatever you're processing. With this podcast, the things that we can share about will be challenging to think about. There's a lot of stress with all the extreme weather, the ecological crisis, and all of the other traumas we are living through. Knowing so many species are at risk, and knowing we have done so much destruction and disturbance to this earth can be hard to think about. But we need to think about it, and we have to be able to honor that it can be painful to think about this. Um, and we t that will help us to move towards restoration, so we can help with the succession process by helping species populations be restored by restoring their habitat. And just reconnect with the earth, because there's so much joy to be had loving this earth. I echo it too. Like, I really, I love the earth and I don't want any species to go away. I love species. I love animals and plants and insects and butterflies. And I love our ecosystems and the climate. And I love the ocean with its tides and its currents and the fact that it's full of life and our atmosphere. And the fact that all of these things are at risk is like more pain than I can even conceptualize. Like it's more pain than my body will allow me to feel. So that's why I think it's appropriate for honoring the pain. And I think the fact that we know that there's an alternative because when we were little, things were marginally better. I, that might make it more acute for us versus like if I were to be born today, I wouldn't know what I'm missing necessarily, you know, um, though I might. Maybe that's not true. Anyway. No, I think that's a good point. And there's something called the shifting baseline syndrome, which this artist Cameron Shepard posted an image they illustrated for Earth Day of the oceans in 1800, in 1950, and in 2019. And it's like there's all of these species and way more things alive in the 1800 one, and then some less in 1950, and then way less in 2019. And in 2019, there's a whole bunch of plastic pollution as well. And so what that is really showing is just like, each generation is born into a different point of destruction and they are used to and think of as normal what they're born into. It doesn't mean they might not also think about what it used to be because like even myself, I like think about all of the species that have gone extinct before I was even born and or like the species that were at risk of extinction and the destruction of habitat. So it's like not impossible to learn about and internalize what it used to be, but it is like you're just used to what you see. So it's like if you don't see that many butterflies or bees. And my dad has talked about that where it's like he remembers way more insects when he was a kid than what there is now. So it definitely is changing and different generations experience it differently. 
it reminds me of how a lot of our work when we were working together on the nature immersion summer camp was anchored in helping kids understand how to see nature and how to be still enough and present enough to see the insect life at the soil level or to see all of the insects that are flying around flowers. And I mentioned that reflection because it does kind of feel like diminishing returns sometimes with the fact that in order to want to protect nature and the earth, you have to love it. And in order to love it, you have to know it. In order to know it, you have to see it. And our exposure to it is decreasing all the time. That's so true. With the whole shifting baseline thing that you mentioned, it's so much harder. It requires so much work to see that insects are even there and to understand that nature is even the container that we exist in and all around us all the time. For example, when I was a kid, I remember there would be butterfly migration and swarms of butterflies would come through that were so thick that the air would just be dense and thick with butterflies. And it was like a tornado or a moving vehicle of wind that was just so thick with these beautiful, beautiful creatures. And you couldn't avoid understanding that these creatures existed because they were literally surrounding you. And this happened often. It wasn't unusual for this to occur. But now I don't really see those types of butterfly swarms at all, even during migration. And if there is something like that, the density of the creatures is so much less. It's just, it's not the same coexistence or saturation that it used to be. That's such a good example. And I know even myself, I'm feeling some strong feelings of like sadness around thinking about monarch butterfly populations like going down since we were kids. Um, and listeners, you might also be having some of those feelings. And this step of the work that reconnects is about like honoring that pain. Um, but I would say that taking that pain and turning it into action can help prevent a lot of these things or fix them. So for example, the Western monarch butterfly population is starting to rebound, it seems like, because people have been planting native milkweed plants and raising awareness and just getting more people involved in the fight to save them. So really like feeling that pain, but then turning it into action is really important. Um, and that's going to take us to the next step, part three. So the third step is seeing with new eyes. And in the diagram of the dandelion by Dory Midnight, this is the top of the dandelion with the flowers turned to seeds. I think we've been moving into that space organically, but this is just about trying to use new paradigms or think about things in different ways to give you a wider perspective to help you see more truth to the reality. So this could be like looking at a longer timeline. And one of the examples I would use is based on the book, The, Sis the Sixth Mass Extinction by Elizabeth Colbert, in which she describes how there have been five mass extinctions before in the history of life on Earth. There are a lot of species and families of species that went extinct and that is just part of life. There's something called the disturbance and succession process that happens continually on a global scale where different forces like fires, floods or droughts or deforestation over hunting and overfishing kill off parts of an ecosystem. But then their absence creates space for other species to thrive. However, disturbances can sometimes become so extreme that many species go extinct. And we are currently in a moment where human-caused disturbances are threatening nearly every ecosystem on the planet. A mass extinction was probably going to happen to humans sometime, and now our actions have brought us to the brink of one much sooner than we probably would have liked. 
And it's weird to be conscious of that and to have the intellect to be able to study the history of this earth and study the geologic record to learn that there were many different families of species that lived and went extinct at different points in Earth's long history of life. It's very cool to be able to know that, but it's also a little soul-straining to think about that happening to our species and so many of the species we know and love that live on Earth today. But I think the book has really helped me come to a place of acceptance of the inevitable extinction of humanity and to really be present while I am here in this fight for survival. We may win this fight and keep living for centuries or millennia, or we may not. I will fight like hell for the first one while still accepting the possibility of the second option. That's a beautiful point, though. I love that. I love that. What a beautiful way to embody seeing with new eyes, because that's 100% a perspective that we've never talked about before, that I've never thought about before, but it, it, it is accurate. This is the first time that life as we know it has been able to conceptualize its own ending on a collective scale. Um, how am I seeing with new eyes because of the podcast? So I, I think you help me see with new eyes a lot. And this might actually be part of why I don't like to think about the climate crisis, because for all of my fierce optimism, which is very much a part of me, I do think I can be a realist slash pessimist. Like the worst case scenario is always kind of living in my brain along with any other potential solutions. And so, like, as was just illustrated, sometimes when I bring my pessimist view to you, you're like, whoa, 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 let's roll it back. (laughs) And that helps me to see with a more normative tempered view, which I appreciate. I mean, I can have my moments of pessimism, too, but I do like to help, like, recenter or reframe things if somebody is struggling. And it's like, that's what community is for is like just to help us process things realize if we're like dwelling too much on the negative and just kind of encourage people to keep going and to stay strong um and so that brings us to the final step which is going forth and in the diagram this is the seeds of the dandelion blowing out into the world on the wind and this is about making plans to move forward and address whatever you are processing through action With this podcast going forth, this is our intro, but we have a few episodes recorded that we are hoping to release like one every month. We will be sharing stories of things we have survived and lived through or describing different campaigns and actions we are part of to help protect and restore this planet or parts of other fights. And hopefully we'll have other people on to share the organizing they have been doing or the actions they have been taking to help restore this planet because this is a collective fight And there are a lot of people already taking action and doing incredible things. And the more we uplift those stories and inspire more people to take action, the more powerful our movement will become. Gorgeous. Going forth. I will. I am continuing to try to challenge myself to pay attention and not give in to my tendency or my temptation to just like. Like I was describing like cocoon up or like cognitive dissonance up. So I'm, I'm going to try to keep my eyes open. That makes me think I don't share all of my TikToks with you, but one of them I did recently was like using an instrumental from the song Life is a Highway, but I changed the lyrics and it was like, life is a nightmare, but if you close your <laughs> eyes, we'll stay right there. I love it. Open them wide, girl. We've got to fight to make things right. Adam, it's a new mantra. You're a gift to this world with your protest music. I love it so much. (laughs) Thank you. Um, 
I I like the words Robin Wall Kimmer where she says we have a responsibility to share our gifts. So I'm grateful to get to share my gifts with you and that you share your gifts of dance and just being an incredible thinker and communicator and activist with me and with the world. Um, so thank you too. So to close out, we wanted to share a poem by Mary Oliver that is about spending time in nature and how important that can be. Both of us really enjoy spending time in nature, whether that's gardening or just wandering in the woods or foraging or looking for herbs. And I think that kind of can connect to the point of coming from gratitude, where when you are in nature, it is really easy, I think, to start to cultivate a practice of gratitude and just being connected to and aware and grateful for all of these different species and the different habitats and different ecosystems. And the more you're able to do that, the more you will love the earth that you live on and the stronger your desire and power to fight and save the earth will become. You know, I love that you said that because it is so true that everything I ever needed to know about the natural world, I learned from watching nature. Every lesson about how to be at peace in our chaotic planet is reflected in nature. There's magic and power in the understanding that a tiny seed can grow into a tree. The awareness that the one thing that life needs to sustain itself, water, falls from the sky in abundance on a regular basis, or at least it would if we hadn't shifted the climate to radically change weather patterns at a more accelerated rate. Everything I've ever needed to know about life I learned from observing nature, from closely observing nature. And that observation provides a sense of peace and there's endless sources of gratitude if we look at nature. You put that so perfectly. Thank you, friend. And to close out, we wanted to share a poem. So this is one of my favorite poems by Mary Oliver and it's called When I Am Among the Trees. When I am among the trees, especially the willows and the honey locust, equally the beech, the oaks, and the pines, they give off such hints of gladness. I would almost say that they save me, and daily. I am so distant from the hope of myself in which I have goodness and discernment, and never hurry through the world, but walk slowly and bow often. Around me the trees stir in their leaves and call out, Stay a while. The light flows from their branches, and they call again. It's simple, they say, and you too have come into this world to do this, to go easy, to be filled with light, and to shine. I love it. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for reading it. You're very welcome. And with that, we're going to close out our first introductory episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. And we would love to hear feedback. What were things that you liked? Do you have suggestions on how to make it better? Or just any other comments or things that made you think of? Feel free to email us at allwecandopod at gmail.com with any thoughts or feedback. Again, allwecandopod at gmail.com. Thank you for being with us, everyone. And remember, in the words of Octavia Butler, quote, that's all anybody can do right now. Live, hold out, survive. I don't know whether good times are coming back again, but I know that it won't matter if we don't survive these times, end quote. And we might add, together, we can not only survive, but thrive. See you next time. We are 